Hello brothers and sisters. Welcome to another presentation with uh, me, Blake, and Defending Zion. So this presentation is going to be kind of a companion to the presentation I've already done on the doctrine of calling an election. So if you have not listened to that presentation, please listen to that one first before you watch this one. So some objectives with this presentation. First of all, we need to talk about what does it mean to make your calling and election sure. We need to answer whether or not a person can make their calling and election sure in this life. Uh, we're going to learn about the requirements of making your calling and election sure and how um, God is going to confirm that your calling and election has been made sure. And lastly, we're going to talk about how we know our calling and election has been made sure. So first, what does it mean to make your calling and election sure? Uh, this was the best definition I could find. Uh, this is from Bruce R. McConkie's book entitled The Doctrinal New Testament Commentary. And it says, to have one's calling and election made sure is to be sealed up unto eternal life. It is to have the unconditional guarantee of exaltation in the highest heaven of the celestial world. It is to receive the assurance of Godhood it is, in effect, to have the day of judgment advanced, so that an inheritance of all the glory and honor of the Father's kingdom is assured prior to the day when the faithful actually enter into the divine presence, to sit with Christ in his throne, even as he is set down with his Father in his throne. So some important things here. First of all, calling an election means that we're sealed up unto eternal life. So that's often a term that you'll see in the scriptures, is uh, being sealed up unto eternal life. And what calling an election means is basically that we're given an unconditional guarantee or promise of exaltation um, before um, the day of judgment happens for us. So in essence, we already know what our final state is going to be. Now, can one make their calling an election sure in this life? This is what Mary and G. Romney had to say. The fullness of eternal life is not attainable in mortality, but the peace which is its harbinger and which comes as a result of making one's calling an election sure is attainable in this life. The Lord has promised that he who doeth the works of righteousness shall receive his reward, even peace in this world and eternal life in the world to come. So, the actual obtaining of eternal life is not possible in this life, but we can receive the assurance that we have inherited eternal life in this world and in this life. So, what is it? Uh, that's required of us to make one's calling and election sure. I'm going to go through a number of scriptures here that detail um, certain steps, but I hope that you don't think of these as, you know, like checklists, because that's not what they are. You know, there are specific ordinances and requirements that are required for you to have your calling and election made sure. But it's not like, oh, check that off, and then it's done, and then you're just waiting for the next one. And this is a process that one has to go through. So first, one of the best descriptions of how to do it uh, to make one's calling election made sure is in 2 Nephi 31. 
It says, for the gate by which ye should enter is repentance and baptism by water. And then cometh a remission of your sins by fire and by the Holy Ghost. And then are ye in this straight and narrow path which leads to eternal life. Wherefore, ye must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope and a love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ, and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. So some keys here are first we need repentance and baptism by water, and then will come a remission of our sins um, by fire and by the Holy Ghost, which is commonly termed baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. And then once we... Um, achieve those, we press forward. We continue uh, with our steadfastness in Christ, with our faith in Christ, developing a perfect brightness of hope and a love of God and of all men. And we continue to feast upon the words of Christ until the end, until the Father finally says that ye shall have eternal life. And I really liked this invitation that President Nelson gave us last General Conference in April. Um, in his invitation to, to hear him, to hear the Father, and to hear Jesus Christ, um, I see it really as an invitation for us to, um, to have steadfastness in Christ, but to also feast upon the words of Christ. And this is what uh, President Nelson said. To hearken means to hear him, to hear what the Savior says, and then to heed his counsel. In those two words, hear him, God gives us the pattern for success, happiness, and joy in this life. We are to hear the words of the Lord, hearken to them, and heed what he has told us. As we seek to be disciples of Jesus Christ, our efforts to hear him need to be ever more intentional. It takes conscious and consistent effort to fill our daily lives with his words, his teachings, his truths. We also hear him more clearly as we refine our ability to recognize the whisperings of the Holy Ghost. It has never been more imperative to know how the Spirit speaks to you than right now. I renew my plea for you to do whatever it takes to increase your spiritual capacity to receive personal revelation. So here, President Nelson's all but saying that we need to feast upon the words of Christ as we receive them through the Holy Ghost. And in Doctrine and Covenant 76, we also get a good description of how to make our calling and election sure. Um, they are they who received the testimony of Jesus and believed on his name and were baptized after the manner of his burial, meaning being buried in the water in his name. And this according to the commandment which he has given, that by keeping the commandments they might be washed and cleansed from all their sins and receive the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands, of him who is ordained and sealed unto this power. So again, uh, receiving the Holy Ghost is essential to this. And who overcome by faith. Sounds a lot like having steadfastness in Christ. And are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, which the Father sheds forth upon all those who are just and true. And they shall overcome all things. So, kind of an addition in this particular scripture is this idea of overcoming. Um, 
life is a continual series of overcomings of using our faith to deal with the trials and the challenges of this life, whatever those might be. And this is a good description that Joseph Smith gave. And now what remains to be done under circumstances like these, I will proceed to tell you what the Lord requires of all people, high and low, rich and poor, male and female, ministers and people, professors of religion and non-professors, in order that they may enjoy the Holy Spirit of God to a fullness and escape the judgments of God which are almost ready to burst upon the nations of the earth. Repent of all your sins, and be baptized in water for the remission of them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And receive the ordinance of the laying on of the hands of him who is ordained and sealed unto this power, that ye may receive the Holy Spirit of God. And this is according to the Holy Scriptures and the Book of Mormon. And the only way that man can enter into the celestial kingdom. So, to escape the judgments of God, which are coming, as I've outlined in my second coming uh, presentation, these are the things that need to happen. We need to make our calling and election sure. First, by repenting of our sins, being baptized in water, and actually receiving uh, the, the gift of the Holy Ghost so that we can be uh, cleansed from our sins. And then, I think, you know, this phrase or this um, quote, I didn't include it all on this page because he then goes on to cite a scripture. And this scripture is, once again, um, very, very good at showing the process that we need to go through to make our calling election sure. And it's in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. Now, instead of saying, like, you know, baptism needs to happen, and the Holy Ghost, and all these things, it moves from, you know, one Christ-like attribute to another. Kind of like a progression of Christ-like attributes. So this is what it says. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, Godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. So like I described, it's a progression of Christ-like attributes that we develop. Um, but it's not they're not attributes that we alone develop. These are actually gifts of the Spirit that we're blessed with as we continue to have steadfastness in Christ and as we continue to listen to the voice of Christ through the Holy Ghost. Doctrine and Covenants 84 also gives us a good description. For whoso is faithful unto the obtaining these two priesthoods, of which I have spoken, and the magnifying their calling, are sanctified by the Spirit unto the renewing of their bodies. They become the sons of Moses, and of Aaron, and the seed of Abraham, and the church and kingdom, 
and the elect of God. And I now give unto you a commandment to beware concerning yourselves, to give diligent heed to the words of eternal life. For you shall live by every word that proceedeth forth from the mouth of God. So, we understand that we need to obtain the two priesthoods, the priesthood of um, Aaron, the Levitical priesthood, and the Melchizedek priesthood. Um, for women, this is done in the temple. And then we need to magnify our calling. I talked about what our calling is in the other video about calling an election. And then we go through a process where we we heed the words of eternal life or we live by every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God. So essentially we learn to recognize the promptings of the Holy Ghost, we listen to the words that were given, and we act upon those promptings. It's as simple as that. It's um, nothing more, nothing less. It's not complicated beyond that. Um, you know, when President Nelson uh, talks about being able to recognize the promptings and to have more constant uh, promptings and I guess promptings where we hear hear the Lord's voice more often um, then that's that's how we can tell that we're on the right path um, but these are these are the basic steps we also learn another key a crucial part of making our calling and election sure in Doctrine and Covenants 131 and there it says, in the celestial glory there are three heavens or degrees. And in order to obtain the highest, a man, also a woman, must enter into this order of the priesthood, meaning the new and everlasting covenant of marriage. And if he does not, he cannot obtain it. So Bruce R. McConkie talked about this relationship between celestial marriage and our, making our calling and election sure. Uh, so that is to say, after celestial marriage, after entering into sacred covenants in the house of the Lord, after receiving the conditional promise of the continuation of the family unit in eternity, after receiving power to gain kingdoms and thrones, we must live so as to receive the guarantees to which we have thus been called, and the assurances that appertain to our election and which are given on a conditional basis only in celestial marriage. So he's telling us that the blessings that were promised uh, when we are married celestially are at that time only conditional because they are still conditioned upon our faithfulness afterwards. As with baptism, so with celestial marriage. After the glorious promise of eternal life that is part of each of these covenants, we must press forward in righteousness until our calling and election is made sure. And this high achievement grows out of and is the crowning reward of celestial marriage. So after the actual ordinance is complete, we need to continue to be faithful. And it's through that continued faithfulness, it's by continually um, heeding the words of eternal life and living by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, that we actually make our calling and election sure. Joseph Fielding Smith said this, Those who press forward in righteousness, living by every word of revealed truth, have power to make their calling and election sure. 
they receive the more sure word of prophecy, and know by revelation and the authority of the priesthood that they are sealed up unto eternal life. They are sealed up against all manner of sin and blasphemy, except the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost and the shedding of innocent blood. But the mere fact of being married for time and eternity in the temple, standing alone, does not give them this guarantee. Blessings pronounced upon couples in connection with celestial marriage are conditioned upon the subsequent faithfulness of the participating parties. So there again, continued faithfulness leads to the ultimate blessings. Um, it's also interesting to note here that um, he says that there's only two sins that we're not sealed up against. The first is blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, and the second is shedding of innocent blood. Joseph Smith said this, After a person has faith in Christ, repents of his sins, and is baptized for the remission of his sins, and receives the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands, which is the first comforter, then let him continue to humble himself before God, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, and living by every word of God. And the Lord will soon say unto him, Son, thou shalt be exalted. When the Lord has thoroughly proved him, and finds that the man is determined to serve him at all hazards, then the man will find his calling and his election made sure. So, there is, I guess, another part. After we receive all these things, and as we continue to live by every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God, there will come tests in our lives. Some people call them Abrahamic tests, um, but I'll just call them tests. And we know that these tests, their purpose is to prove us. We know that our original purpose in coming to earth was to be proven or tested to see if we would do all things that the Lord commanded. So this proving or these tests are to determine whether or not we will serve God at all costs. And to me, that kind of sh sends a shudder down my spine because I realize some of the things that I've been through and I think about how difficult those have been. And then I think about, um, you know, were these things actually the things that the Lord requires? Have I been thoroughly proven? I think that's a question we all have in our mind. Have we been thoroughly proven? Um, there is a way that we can know. And the best description I've found of that way to know is actually in the lectures on faith. Um, it's in lecture six, paragraph seven. And I'm going to read this. This is essential to us to understand if we know we're doing what God requires of us and whether we've been proven. So he says, let us here observe that a religion that does not require the sacrifice of all things never has power sufficient to produce the faith necessary unto life and salvation. For from the first existence of man, the faith necessary unto the enjoyment of life and salvation never could be obtained without the sacrifice of all earthly things. 
It was through this sacrifice, and this only, that God has ordained that men should enjoy eternal life. And it is through the medium of the sacrifice of all earthly things that men do actually know that they are doing the things that are well-pleasing in the sight of God. When a man has offered in sacrifice all that he has for the truth's sake, not even withholding his life, and believing before God that he has been called to make this sacrifice because he seeks to do his will, he does know most assuredly that God does and will accept his sacrifice and offering, and that he has not nor will not seek his face in vain. Under these circumstances, then, he can obtain the faith necessary for him to lay hold on eternal life. So the way that we know whether what we're doing is pleasing in the sight of God is by sacrificing all earthly things. Whatever those sacrifices are that the Lord requires of us that relate to our existence here, whether that be all of our riches or whether that be our very life, our mortal life, whatever that sacrifice is that we're called to make and we know that we're called to make it, that's how we can know um, whether we are doing what is right. And that is finally when we obtain the faith necessary to lay hold on eternal life. So again, this is a, it's a hard doctrine. Um, it requires the utmost of all of us. And I should point out that this sacrifice is not going to be the same for everyone. Um, there may be some things that are, that are sacrificed that are more, um, may, may seem on, on their face to be more compared to another, but it's not in the quantity, um, it's in the quality of the sacrifice. Is it something that um, is truly giving your all? And that's how the Lord determines the sacrifice. So now that we've talked about how to make our calling and election sure, we have to know how does God confirm that our calling and election has been made sure. So this is from the Doctrine and Covenants. Wherefore, I now send upon you another comforter, even upon you, my friends, that it may abide in your hearts, even the Holy Spirit of promise, which other comforter is the same that I promised unto my disciples, as is recorded in the testimony of John. This comforter is the promise which I give unto you of eternal life, even the glory of the celestial kingdom. So the medium through which God um, allows us to know whether our calling election has been made sure is through the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, what is the Holy Spirit of promise? This is what it says in the Guide, of, guide to the Scriptures. The Holy Ghost is the Holy Spirit of promise. He confirms as acceptable to God the righteous acts, ordinances, and covenants of men. The Holy Spirit of promise witnesses to the Father that the saving ordinances have been performed properly and that the covenants associated with them have been kept. So the, the Holy Spirit of promise is the Holy Ghost acting in its testator role. So it's testifying. He's testifying that the the acts and the ordinances and the covenants we've made have been kept 
and have been, been performed properly. And this is reiterated in Doctrine and Covenants 132.7 that all covenants, contracts, bonds, obligations, oaths, vows, performances, connections, associations, or expectations that are not made and entered into and sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise are of no efficacy, virtue, or force in and after the resurrection from the dead. So the Holy Spirit of promise is essential for whatever blessings we've been promised to be effective after the resurrection from the dead. Now, how do we know we've made our calling and election sure? In the Doctrine and Covenants, it says, the more sure word of prophecy means a man's knowing that he is sealed up into eternal life by revelation and the spirit of prophecy through the power of the holy priesthood. So this word, more sure word of prophecy, this is um, a, a more sure witness, if you want to call it that, that whereby we obtain an assurance that our calling and election has been made sure. And it has to come first through revelation, so through through the Spirit. Second, through the Spirit of prophecy. If you think about that, that makes sense. Because, you know, if someone is under the Spirit of prophecy, they are, they are saying future events that are true. So the future event that would be true in this case would be that we will, we inherit eternal life. And thirdly, this has to all be done through the power of the, the priesthood. Joseph Smith said this about the more sure word of prophecy. Now for the secret and grand key. Though they might hear the voice of God and know that Jesus was the Son of God, this would be no evidence that their election and calling was made sure, that they had part with Christ and were joint heirs with him. They then would want that more sure word of prophecy, that they were sealed in the heavens and had the promise of eternal life in the kingdom of God. Then, having this promise sealed unto them, it was an anchor to the soul, sure and steadfast. Though the thunders might roll, and lightnings flash, and earthquakes bellow, and war gather thick around, yet this hope and knowledge would support the soul in every hour of trial, trouble, and tribulation. Then knowledge, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is the grand key that unlocks the glories and mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So do you remember how I talked about earlier how President Nelson is encouraging us to make our calling and election sure? Well, it's because he knows what's coming. He knows there's a great tribulation coming. He knows there's earthquakes coming. Um, there's destructions. How are all of these things going to happen? And yet, how are we still going to be saved? How are we going to get through this? Well, Joseph Smith tells us the key is to have the more sure word of prophecy, to have our calling election made sure. Now there is some grand secret here and keys to unlock the subject. Notwithstanding the apostle exhorts them to add to their faith virtue, knowledge, temperance, etc. Yet he exhorts them to make their calling and election sure. And though they had heard an audible voice from heaven bearing testimony that Jesus was the Son of God, Yet, he says, we have a more sure word of prophecy. 
whereunto ye do well that ye did take heed as unto a light shining in a dark place. Now, wherein could they have a more sure word of prophecy than to hear the voice of God saying, This is my beloved Son. So, this more sure word of prophecy, we get a little bit more of an inkling that it's actually going to be the voice of God speaking to us, telling us these words, um, or some something like these words that will help us to know that our calling election has been made sure. The amazing thing about the scriptures is we have a number of accounts where we actually see people that obtain their calling and election made sure. Um, the first one is Alma. Uh, this is what the Lord says to him. Thou art my servant, and I covenant with thee that thou shalt have eternal life. So words spoken directly to Alma. The more sure word of prophecy. We also have Moroni's account of his more sure word of prophecy in Ether 12.37. Thou hast been faithful, wherefore thy garment shall be made clean. And because thou hast seen thy weakness, thou shalt be made strong, even unto the sitting down in the place which I have prepared in the mansions of my father. So notice there's a different wording here, right? There's nothing talking about eternal life, but... Um, there is discussion of Moroni's place that has been prepared in the mansions of his father and that Moroni's garments should be made clean. Um, in Doctrine and Covenants 132 we actually get the words that the Lord spoke to Joseph Smith uh, when his calling and election was made sure. And this is in 132, 49 through 50. For I am the Lord thy God and will be with thee even unto the end of the world, and through all eternity. For verily I seal upon you your exaltation, and prepare a throne for you in the kingdom of my Father, with Abraham your father. Behold, I have seen your sacrifices, and will forgive all your sins. I have seen your sacrifices in obedience to that which I have told you. So notice in verse 50 here, the Lord's telling him that all of Joseph's sins would be forgiven him. And that's correct, except for blasphemy against the Holy Ghost and shedding of innocent blood, which we know Joseph Smith did neither of those. So we know that his exaltation is assured. And then I also found this account of Heber C. Kimball and the more sure word of prophecy that he received. Um, it's a very interesting story. It's actually very interesting how he received it. So I'll go ahead and read it. And this is in the spring of 1839. Uh, while the prophet Joseph and his associates were languishing in Liberty Jail, Heber C. Kimball labored against great odds, caring for the saints and striving to free the brethren. On the 6th of April, he wrote, My fa family having been gone about two months, during which time I heard nothing from them, our brethren being in prison, death and destruction following us everywhere we went, I felt very sorrowful and lonely following words came to my mind, and the Spirit said unto me, Write, which I did by taking a piece of paper and writing on my knee as follows. And this is what he wrote as dictated by the Lord. Verily I say unto my servant Heber, Thou art my son, 
in whom I am well pleased. For thou art careful to hearken to my words, and not transgress my law, nor rebel against my servant Joseph Smith. For thou hast a respect to the words of mine anointed, even from the least to the greatest of them. Therefore thy name is written in heaven, no more to be blotted out forever. So I love in each of these experiences, they're all different, right? Um, they're, the experience of receiving the more sure word of prophecy is as unique as we are. And you can be sure that with the, the concern and the love that the Lord has for us, that the experience of us, you know, making our calling and election sure and receiving the more sure word of prophecy are going to be very personal to us. Um, they, they are also important things for us to record, um, not only for our sakes, but um, for our posterity's sakes. Um, well, brothers and sisters, that completes the presentation. Um, I hope you've learned a lot. Uh, I bear testimony that this is a true principle, as taught by the prophets and apostles in the scriptures. Um, I know that it is possible for us to make our calling and election sure in this life. And I know it's imperative for us to do, especially now in these last days, when we're going to experience the greatest tribulation that this earth has ever seen, we're going to need that assurance that we've been sealed up unto eternal life and that we have a spot prepared in the kingdom and mansions of our Father. I bear testimony that this is our ultimate goal um, in life, is to obtain eternal life to live the type of life that God lives, um, to be sealed in a family unit, uh, to be able to, to have children through the eternity and desires for each of us.